Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Kenny Cockrell ready to race out to the center here. Justin Rogers. Hopefully clear the cobwebs out. Ready for round two. Oh, whoa! Big One, knockout. two punched for Kenny Cockrell. Oh, that took on the chin. Justin Rogers ah. taking a bad knockout right Ladies there. and gentlemen, welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast on a very special episode here, which is one of our first ever uh, interviews on the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast. We usually just, uh, it's just me and my man Ty usually, but Ty is not here today. I am riding solo, but not really solo. I am joined by the man himself, Kenny Cockrell, Killa Ken. Uh, Ken, thank you for joining me on here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been on a podcast before or has this, is this the first time you're actually uh, on the mic? I have not. This is, this is the first time on the mic. Hopefully the first time, first time out of many. They, no, yeah, you're going to be a regular, dude. So it's uh, it's good to get practice underway. Um, how how are you feeling today? Uh, it's just you know. So we came off UFC 270. Was that 271 this past weekend? Uh, did you like the card? Did you enjoy it? <clears throat> yes, I did. I I thought that that was a a fun night. Besides the main event, I think Israel Adesanya is a a very boring fighter at this point. Yeah. Um, it, don't get me wrong. He's he's very technic technically sound and one of the best strikers in the UFC, but I feel like every title fight for him now is just a, a five round uh snooze close fest. decision. Yeah, snooze fest, yep. honestly. Uh and it's nothing like you said, it's nothing against him. It's just he's so good that he just you know, he fights a certain way and it's not like he can get into firefights with people because it won't it won't go his way. He fights the way he has to fight. And it just so happens to be a boring like I mean for a while Usman was a considered a very boring fighter because he, you know, I mean, he just wrestled people and held them down. I mean, now he's knocking people out like all the time, and just he's an exciting fighter, pound for pound number one. I mean, Adesanya is what number two now, so you know, it's not yeah, like, I think he just moved up. Yeah, no one's taken away from his skill, but uh, you know, that's I don't like when the MMA community tries to like act like some of this shit's not boring. You know, like it's it's okay to understand the guy's skill and how good he is, and also say that that fight was pretty boring. It, it just it really wasn't much action. A couple takedowns and not even really like a, I mean he dropped Rob right in the first round I think or something yeah, yeah. he dropped him quick other than that it was kind of um you know kind of kind of boring but we'll get into that all later uh we are here to talk about you today uh you <coughs> not very recently but within the last year started your amateur MMA career in hopes of one day becoming professional you are one and oh uh how does it feel right now you know you're a couple you know what how long ago is that September yeah, September twenty fifth was there the fight. You, there you go. And uh, what? Uh, what's you know? I guess we'll just start. We'll we'll get down that road. So let's just start with. Uh, I want to just talk about your, I guess, uh, mixed martial arts evolution. So when you were, you know, when did your, I guess, love and passion for mixed martial arts begin? Um, my grandfather had me involved in karate at age three. I grew up doing karate, uh, tungsten do karate with the uh, instructor Mark Moore, and it was kind of like I called it 
mixed martial arts because he taught us a little bit of everything. And um, I did that from age three to 15 and then kind of got carried away with football. Thought I was going to, I always had the vision that I was going to be in some sort of combat sport, whether that was boxing, fighting. Always had a love for Rocky, and and my grandfather still calls me Rocky to this day, actually. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I just always had a vision that I was going to have to, that I wanted to be in that position. And after college, I went through, or after high school, I went through uh, my first injury with football, and I feel like everything happens for a reason. And when I got injured, you know, your brother said, yo, man, you should, you should, come uh come try out this jujitsu stuff and i was damn near 300 pounds yeah you're playing d-line you you were not you were not a uh, you don't have to you, you can't be a small gentleman playing that uh playing that position but not at all i was two two eighty nine 289 to be exact and i was all beefed up and just had just recently broke my hand and i was out for the season and that was my first ever injury in football so i spent my 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 first fall in 15 years not not suiting up shoulder pads and helmet and i tried jujitsu and man my jujitsu instructor john hassett as you know shout out to john hassett it changed changed my life forever and uh i will forever be thankful and after that i the dream kind of got reignited of uh being a, a world champion one day and amateur is just the, the the path I have to take. I got to get through a couple more amateur fights and then start really making shit happen. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the way to do it. It's you know, like if you were to become, like you said, like if you were going to go to the to the NFL or become a friend, you would have to. The college sports is basically the amateurs, so it's you have to work your way through, you know, certain systems and and certain things. Uh, so you you did karate like what at fifteen when you were done did you just like you said just got into football and you just didn't really uh, like there was like not much more you could do with it other than start what like basically competing I guess or I I don't exactly know how karate works like that I know like with jujitsu you can go and you know you compete in these tournaments and you you know tap people out and whatnot but like karate is more of a points thing are you knocking people out there or what what is the what is the deal with that for me karate was kind of just like my my pastime, like I would just go to the, there was no, I never really did any tournaments besides a, a grappling tournament. Like I said, I, I considered it MMA cause I did learn a little bit of grappling back then, which is why I did a grappling tournament in 2008, I believe. But, but, uh, it was mostly just like going in the gym, sparring with, with pads once, twice a week and, and hitting the bag mostly and just being active, being a kid. And, and, you know, that's kind of why I, I gave it up when I turned 50 or when I got towards high school because I wanted to focus on football. I started getting um, a lot of recognition for football and I started believing in myself more with that. And I thought I, that was going to be my, my path. But it took me a few years to realize that that my path was already set out for me since I was a, a kid. Yeah. And, the, you know, like there's it's different for you. Like you said, you have this background from when you were a child. So it's like a like ingrained in you to not only want to do it, but just like, it's just, you have the ability, the skill, the, the, the mindset of, you know, wanting to compete and just being in that, uh, like, cause competing in the mixed martial arts in any of them is just a diff. You have to be, a, have a different kind of mental toughness because 
uh, you know, like like you played football and you played basketball and all this different stuff. Like team sports are way different. That's just you have to rely on everyone else, you know, and it, you you can oh, there's only so much you can control in there. Like when you get in the cage or when you're in a grappling tournament or whatnot, it's only it's you and someone else. It's you're you're the only you're the master of everything that's going on in there, and you you can't rely on anyone else. You know, there's only all the coaching in the world can only get you so far. Eventually, you have to get in there and you know, do your thing. Uh, I did want to ask what, uh, you know, like one of your, you know, when you were a white belt, when you, one of your first, what was it about the jujitsu and what was it about even going to Hassett's was that was like a, it, it like a light bulb went off on you that you were like, damn, like it reignited it. Like, what, what, would ex- what, what can you do or can you, uh, per, like give it a, a specific reason as to why you like, why you wanted to do it? Um, for me, it was basically, I was walking around, you know, almost six foot two, almost 300 pounds, thinking that if I got into a fight, it would be, it would be a breeze and, and I would, you know, dust my opponent off. And, uh, my first night at Hassett, Mr. Hassett, who at the time was in his uh, early fifties, I guess, probably 165 pounds made me, he hit a 4.5 sweep. <laughs> on me from from 4.5 guard and then came up on on into full mount on, on me and i just felt like i couldn't get away and i felt like a rag doll and excuse my language but i felt like a bitch and i i never fi- I've, I've never felt like that before and i immediately the light bulb went off and i was like i gotta learn this stuff now yeah and and from that point on i i'm probably around give or take three years with COVID and everything. Like I've been pretty consistent ever since I joined jujitsu and I've fallen in love with it. And that's an understatement. Like I, if I go three days without training jujitsu, it's, I turn into a different person. It's, it's, it's Start getting who I anxious am. and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. Well, I got to do it, something. I got to do something, you know, it, it's, it's literally my drug. It's who I am at this point. And I, I plan on forever doing jujitsu and one day being a, uh, instructor at my own school yeah and uh i guess i did want to ask uh, did you when you uh when you went to jiu-jitsu did you have any thoughts of actually fighting like at the at that time like where you or was it just more of like a, let me see how this like let me see what this is about or like where along the lines did you like i want to actually get into a cage and i actually want to put this shit to use and fight for me i've always wanted to be a professional athlete and before I got involved, like super involved with football, I was always thinking about boxing. I had a love for boxing and, and just combat sports. And then when I was playing football, like what you talked about earlier, I felt like I had to depend on too many people to do their jobs to succeed. Mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't on too many winning teams in football, and that really annoyed me. because Shout out to the minute, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, that annoyed me because I like winning. and. And I entered, uh, I wanted to do combat sports because the only person I can depend on is me. And I like that because I know that no one's going to outwork me. And, and that's, that's like the reason, like as soon as I joined Hassett, I knew that I wanted to do MMA because if I wasn't going to play football professionally, I'm going to do something professionally because I can't work a normal job. That's just, that's just not the path that, that, got laid out for me i've seen a vision my whole life and and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to to achieve that 
There you go. So you go from Hassett's, and then you where did you start to, uh, I guess, mix in the other, or when, I guess, did you, should I say, did you start to mix in the other elements of the mixed martial arts and start to hone in more of the, you know, I mean, you obviously have a striking background, but it's, you know, it's one thing to do, you know, it was a long time, long time ago now that you were, you know, doing karate and you still have it, but I guess you had to brush up on your skills a little bit. Where, uh, where and when did you decide to start doing that? For sure. Um, I always, I've always, you know, had been in the basement gym, hitting the bag, hitting the reflex bag, the shadow box and every, every day, stuff like that. But about eight weeks after my fight, I started to, uh, link up with, former ufc fighter tim williams he he used to be a, a middleweight in the ufc and he's he's a little bit bigger than me at this point and he in my opinion was the perfect sparring partner because his cardio is next level his pressure is unbelievable and he's just got like he's just got the fighter iq i think he had you know 20 professional fights or 10 15 20, i don't know yeah he was a professional in the ufc that's all that matters and and I think he got me more than ready. But besides that, we was going to 302 Jiu-Jitsu, which is part of Team Balance, as, and, as well as uh, pressure Jiu-Jitsu and MMA. And I was just sparring wherever I could, getting in as much work as I could for my fight. And, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think things went pretty well. You're talking about Tim Williams, the South Jersey Strangler, which is quite the nickname to have. And if you're going to be from South Jersey and training around here, you know, that's that's the, probably the the best guy around here to actually you know unless you're actually going into the city and doing all doing all that but um i don't even know like what what even goes on in the city those guys are all there there's was it probably daniel gracie is probably the only other real big uh like hub of uh mma in, the, in this area i would say yeah that that's like you know the main gym in philly besides team balance and um eventually i could i see myself going and training there to um you know, when I dedicate myself more to to mixed martial arts and and get out of school and finish up finish up all the all the nonsense. Yeah, I mean, and all this shit costs money, so it's not like uh, exactly you, know, you can't just go and do it. You gotta, you know, gotta it has to be funded somehow. So you when uh, you know when your fights announced or when you uh, how do you even. How does it even happen where you communicate with a promoter or whatever and say, hey, man, I, I want to get in there. I want to fight. I want to have my first fight. Do these people reach out to you or are you reaching out to them saying, you know, or is this uh, like a thing that, uh, you know, your people like Tim <coughs> Williams or the, the people over at the gym are uh, kind of facilitating? Um, believe it or not, man, it was actually really difficult to to get on a fight card. I, I DM'd me and my uh, prospective manager, Gabe Detola, who – I met at my jiu-jitsu gym and has been like a brother to me ever since I met him. He he reached out to a bunch of promotions. I DM'd a bunch of promotions on Instagram. And um, Maverick MMA, who mostly does cards in Pennsylvania, was the, the first promotion to get back to me at, with a with a solidified date. And I said, hell yeah, let's, let's rock with it. And my opponent changed a couple times, but... Uh, yeah, that was the first, that was actually the only promotion to answer. And then after my fight, I had a bunch of, bunch of promotions oh, yeah. hitting me up, but, but, uh, I haven't, haven't signed anything yet for my second one. So, yeah, you, like you said, you got the eight weeks, you put in a solid eight week camp. Uh, eventually your opponent winds up being a gentleman named Justin Rogers. 
you're fighting him at the Split Rock Casino up in up in the the Poconos, basically. Uh, you know, a two hour drive per se around away from uh, away from the South Jersey uh, home. So you know, you, and you, you brought an army with you, man. The Killiken army was there. Uh, what are you feeling like? Well, you know, I know you were there. You were up there all weekend and everything. But what was the feelings like on fight week and going into the fight? How were you? I mean, I'm sure you were confident and everything, and you confident in your abilities and whatnot. <coughs> but like, what was the? Uh, what was your mindset? How were you feeling? Uh, fight week was brutal, to be honest with you, because I stopped training Saturday. So my fight was on Saturday, September 25th. My last day sparring was Saturday, September 18th. And I took off the whole week and just had school. And it was brutal taking off because I was hungry. I felt like a like a animal that was being put into a, into a cage. <laughs> and it was it was like you know the longest week of my life basically because I just wanted to, wanted to get in there like. I've been so anxious to do this my whole entire life. And for my first one, it was just, I just wanted to get in there and make it happen. And eventually it came around and everything happened how it was supposed to. I felt extremely fresh because I, that was the first time I took a week off in years. And I definitely plan on doing that for, for my next fight yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think that's an important thing. Some of the guys, even in UFC that you find, you see them, they get... They train so hard and they're like, they don't want to, you know, they feel like if they take their foot off the pedal, they're going to lose something or they're going to, you know, the other guy's going to outwork them. But your body needs, you know, body needs that rest. Your need needs to uh, refresh itself before you're going to go in there and do a huge athletic uh, event or competition like fighting someone, you know, so I think it's definitely important. You see, even see some of the guys when you watch the embeddeds, them, you know, kind of just real light shit just, you know, hitting pads and just doing minor stuff to just kind of stay, you know, sharp. But you're not, you like, like you said, you're not in there. You're, no one's Sean Strickland who's sparring on the the Thursday night before you're fighting and whatnot. Like, <laughs> we're, you know, that's not exactly, um, you can't replicate that for everyone. But so you're, let, let me uh, take you to where you're in the back. All right. You're in the back and you're getting ready for the fight. What What is, is it just blood and, and kill is that the only thing in your mind in your mind or is it uh you know because it seemed like when you uh, you know for anyone who's watched the fight and you can go and find it on my you know you can go and find it you can look it up so um, and my instagram on kenny cockroach there you go. kenny cockroach it's, it's it's in there you can see the video it's a quick one follow them exactly it was not a very long fight um what what are you feeling like in the back and who you know you who you have with you got Hassett with you you got uh you got Tim Williams with you how are you feeling back there and what you know just what what do you what, what's going through your mind I would I would ask um well it was a long day because uh you know we had to be there like five hours before we had I had to fight and I was kind of just sitting around trying to stay focused trying to stay fresh and um Mister when Mister Hassett came he uh he kind of was just being himself and really calmed my, my mood down and everything. And then as the fight got closer, I could feel, feel the buildup coming. And then eventually I just got into a very relaxed state and just kind of was meditating in the back. And then, you know, as it, as I <clears throat> put the gloves on, got taped up and the promoter said, yo, you got like 20 minutes, half hour. That's when, when shit got real. And I started to focus and I started on, uh, I started planning my attack and and really getting into the into the killer be kill mindset. And then the walkout is when it, it all changes. That's when that's when shit gets real. And that's when the you know the lights are all on you, the cameras on you, and 
and there ain't, there ain't no one that can can help you then. Yeah, coming from a guy who has never been in there and but is a huge huge MMA fan and everything like that to me has always been one of the one of my favorite things about mixed martial arts is the walkout, man, or even f- boxing anything. Like it's just like that is when like you said shit gets real then. Like it's like it's iconic. Yep, even like Conor Diaz, all of the big fights you could ever imagine. When you hear their song hit, you're like, "Oh boy, here we go." Like it's it's time, dude. There's no we can't like the the I mean, I can't imagine what it's like for you as it's being you're the one getting in there, but the hype and just the the build up behind all this and the waiting, the anticipation building up to these big ass moments, and then like you said, you come out and it's like bang, your music hits, fucking DMX is banging through through the casino, <laughs> and you walk out and you're like, all right, fuck, you're like here we go, baby, and you were fired up coming out, and you get in there, uh, you know, you're you're in there with uh, Mr. Rogers, and he, uh, you know. It kind of seemed very early on that he just, you know, uh, to uh, steal a line from my uh, from a fellow township man, Dylan LaPalomeno, that guy just was not on your level. It, you know, <laughs> the amateur rules uh, are a little different from regular rules. You can't ground and pound someone. You cracked him in the first round and had him hurt pretty bad. But it, I imagine you probably feel the same way. If it had been regular rules, you probably would have finished him in the first round. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think I knocked him out twice. But yeah. I just I couldn't finish in the first round. I could have with a choke, but uh, it was my first fight, and I really wanted to see what my hands were were talking about, and wanted to to finish it with a, a highlight reel knockout. And I think I achieved that. I, I would say round. so. I would say so. So I was in the building that night, and uh, the second round starts, and I believe you knocked him out eight seconds into the second round, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah. I, I've been to a few uh, fights now, MMA, you know, I've been to a couple boxing matches and whatnot, but i never seen, uh, you know, because it was different, because, you know, I love you, man, you know, I, I, I've known you forever, and it was like the first time I actually knew someone like that getting in, and I was like, I never had, like, I watch the Eagles and stuff, I get nervous, but that was like a different level of nerves, because, you know, I'm in, I'm totally out of control, I'm just sitting there rooting for you, hoping that for things to go well, but... Uh, I'll never forget the, the, the mouthpiece flying and the man hitting the ground. And I was just like, I look, cause I was sitting next to my brother and I looked at Jimmy and I said, holy shit, dude. Like that man went to sleep, sleep. And, and he did, I mean, they, there was people concerned for that man's well being. Even though I played the, um, the audio from when you knocked him out and, uh, this, this, the, the announcers are like, oh my God, like, I hope this man's okay. Like people don't usually get knocked out like that at, uh, you know, in these amateur MMA events, usually, I mean, cause you could just tell by even the guys that, that worked for Maverick and everything, they were like, oh my goodness, like this was, this is a little crazy. How did it, and I, this is another thing I always thought, like think about, about fighting and everything. Like I always go back to, you know, like, uh, like our favorite, you know, your, your favorite as well, Connor, it, it's that feeling of like when he probably knocked out O out. It was probably unbelievable that that feeling of his left hand connecting. How did it feel when you connected on that one two that just like sent him into orbit, sent him into the shadow realm? How did you like? How did that feel in your hands? Um, I've never really felt something like that, so it was a new feeling for me. Um, when I hit him, I, I like kind of stepped back, like like I was ready to keep going. You know, I pre- I was prepared for a war, but. It, it, I definitely could tell that that you know the shot knocked him out, and watching him fall was one of the most electrifying feelings in in my life. Cause I, I didn't really talk too much shit leading up to it, but 
I figured that, you know, this kid knew it, it was my debut fight. He was going to try and get into my head. And I don't think he did too much, but it was just, it, it was nice to, you know, well, it's nice have someone that talks all that shit and and give them what they deserved. Yeah, and he, like you said, like he was one and hope and you know, like you like you said, you're making your debut. He probably thought uh, this is this is you know, not that he probably thought any like it was gonna be a walk in the park, but he probably thought he's gonna wrestle you. You know, he was gonna take you down. He shot a, a couple of uh, you know, I don't want to disrespect them, but weak kind of takedowns. Yeah, they were kind of weak in the first round and. It just he. I think he realized like, oh shit! Like I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm in. This is a little bit more. You know, uh, that my head's, uh, my, the water's above my head right now. I'm fucking drowning right now. I don't know if I'm prepared for this, and it only uh, got worse as the time went on. So, you know, you're not, you not you you clean him out. You go down. You do that. What is it like to do that in front of like all your like? I mean, ha- uh, the whole entire Hassets was basically there. Your friends, your family, everyone's there. Like, what is that like? That that was probably the best part about it. Um, that was also what pr- was pressuring me the most because I've been to jujitsu tournaments where you know no one's there and it's just me, yeah. and that's fun and all. But but when your peoples are there, that's when the pressure's on the most because you don't want to, you know, like I had seventy seventy five people drive two hours to watch me fight, and if it was up to my opponent, he would have left me unconscious in there like I left him. Absolutely, and. And that that's the worst case scenario. And, you know, that 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 kind of like that was cool for me, like from the preparation of the fight, like the eight week camp throughout the eight weeks, I was selling tickets. Yeah. And and I was like, damn, like I'm gonna have this many, many people come up to watch me like I'm going to put the work in. And I feel like that's something that might get lost in the amateur fighting world, I guess. Like, I don't know. I want to be a professional, and I want want this to be my life, and I want I want to be a world champion eventually. And I don't think uh, all amateur fighters feel like that or are as dedicated as they say that they are. But if I'm signed up for a fight, my life is dedicated to to winning that fight, and nothing nothing less. Yeah, no, and nothing else matters at the time. It's uh, you. That's the. I feel like it is the only way you can. A survive in this sport it is truly like a uh like like when i told you like the mental toughness it's it's the only way you can uh succeed and it's just you have to be so driven and singular focused on one thing that that can be the your only thing that drives you at all times it's basically whether it is it's you know like like they say fear is the biggest motivator like i'm sure there was a part of you that did like you said did, like didn't want to get embarrassed in front of all your people like you didn't you don't want to end up the way he did getting knocked out you know like you you wanted to go out there and all the work and the and the time you put in you wanted to show that that it was worth it you know like and you fucking you definitely did and uh <laughs> thank like, you bro no no of course man it, it was it, like i told you and i think i even put it on my ig at the time it was an honor to be there and watch that shit cuz even like not only you, there was it was just cool to watch the the other people in there, just like the other people doing the same thing you're doing, like trying to like live their dream and trying to show all of the work that they've put in for you know however long. Some people their whole lives. Some people like the dude who was the Joker who drove from uh, Ohio for, and basically has no training. You know, maybe he just did it for fun. You know, some people just. It's all different. Like you said, there's some people in amateur MMA who are in there for the for the like this is their life. And some people are just doing it because, you know, the money's nice and it's not bad. 
you know. And it's cool to be and it's cool to be a cage fighter for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You can put it on IG and say, yeah, uh, you know, sweat equity, and I I I put in that work <laughs> and shit like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, there are there are definitely a lot of posers and all that. I mean, even dudes who play football and basketball in there taking videos all day long of them, you know, shooting jump shots and shit like that. It's like, all right, man, you know, we get it. You're working out, dude. Yeah, that's you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but. Uh, so after the fight, you know, it's been it's been a couple months. Uh, how are you feeling? How uh, what are you what are you gonna do next? Or what? what yeah, obviously, you said you're trying to line something up or get something going. Uh, do you, you have anything in mind, or are you you know you are you gonna go back to Maverick or what? You know, I guess you're you're kind of in the amateurs. You're a free agent. You can really fight wherever you want. Exactly. Um, I was definitely pondering with the idea of fighting real quick right after my last one but i had a little little injury to take care of which i attended to and i'm all good now but um yeah maverick i'm i'm not sure what promotion i'm gonna fight with next but i can definitely give you a location is i'll be fighting in philadelphia or atlantic city because i sold 75 tickets for two and a half hours away I'm going to um, fight in Philly or AC, and hopefully, if it's up to me, it'll be a live casino in Philly or a 2300 arena in South Philly, and I'm going to sell 150, 200 tickets and light that place up, hopefully this summer, and maybe if I get a wild hair, it might be a little early, maybe this spring. There you go. That's, I, I love to hear that, and yeah, you know, like the, there's, all, there's not a rush you know, getting back in there, obviously, but like you said, you had a little hand thing, and you, you know, the more active you can stay, the better, the better it is. Um, and I, you know, I'll be there. Uh, it's and anyone else out there, trust me, if you want a good Saturday night out there to have some fun and watch some high quality mixed martial arts, and if you want to see Kill a Ken, you got to go out there and you got to show up because it, it ain't the same watching it on TV, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me, you. Uh, it'll change your life going to a live mixed martial arts event or a- any sort of fight in person, and you will gain. If you just sit on your couch and say, "Ah, oh, yeah, these guys stink," the wh- whatever you know, you will gain a whole new respect for these guys when you go when you go there and you watch them actually fight in person, and you realize, "Damn, I like they're like me. I, I don't think I could ever do that," you know, like or any other people. You just realize that that shit is absolutely insane. Fight. I mean, like you, like uh, I think many MMA guys have said, like we're fighting in our cage, in a cage in our underwear for money. So it's you know, it's you just got it's a whole different animal, it's a different beast, and uh, that's, not, yeah, that's that's yeah. the best part about it, man. Um, I feel like like this is the the best sport in the world because it's the most natural. Like we're stripped in there, damn near naked, and we're fighting with our our fists and our legs, and and that's that's the that's like you know the true test of of two men in my opinion and and you know watching it live is so much different that's like i went to my first card first live card back in in spring and it was an amateur because i wanted to see how it was and, and and you know get ready for for mine and it was it was different i did get a different respect for it but you know I'll, i could tell you one thing if if you come watch me live i could promise two things entertainment and violence there you go dude and this man is already becoming a salesman uh, just early on in this career imagine what this guy's going to be like you know a year two years down the road when he has even more fights under his belt and uh you know you're going to continue to stay at 85 is that is that your plan i'm gonna stay at 185 until i can go pro and hire a nutritionist and really get 
dedicate my life to fighting and nutrition and everything. And then I'm probably going to drop down to 170. And then after I conquer 170, I'll move back up to 185. I like that. Uh, you're going to be a fucking tank at, at 170 if that, uh, you know, but those nutritionists can get it done. If Whitaker could, could make 170 and all these different guys can, I mean, if Usman can make 170, anyone can basically, because that guy exactly. is a fucking exactly. tank. I, I don't know, understand how he still makes 170, but you know, that's what this game is. It's all, there's all these little different uh, details and elements. And uh, I mean, even in the jujitsu game, I'm learning how all these different little details that go into the preparation and just the constantly getting better. Uh, and you should be getting your purple belt soon, right? Yes, sir. Purple belt in April. I'm pumped for that because that's, for me, uh, a purple belt at Hassett's is kind of like a, a certification. That's like, you know, you ain't you ain't playing playing around no more you you do jujitsu especially when you're when you've earned your purple belt like i feel like i have like i've i've put in a ton of work and and my skill is right where i want it to be um and it's it's steady getting better so um, i'm real excited for that and like me and you have had conversations while watching the ufc not all black belts are created equal and not all these belts in general are created equal there are some fraudulent ass black belts out there and just oh yeah Oh, yeah. There you go. You can say it for me. Uh, it's just, you know, like, yeah, it's just the a black belt or a purple belt, anywhere, for anything from Hassett, a place like that who uh, genuinely cares about what the, like, it, it, the main thing for Hassett would be, like he always says, you know, he's not going to give you a purple belt and then have you go and get embarrassed by other purple belts at other schools. It makes him look bad. It makes the school look bad. So he's not going to get, you're not going to get that belt until you've absolutely earned it and put the time in. Put all you know. Put all the work in your skills there. So it's you know 100% earned from you. Uh, you know all the guys there uh, and my brother too. I mean all you guys are putting in crazy time. I'm I'm just starting it and um, I can understand why the love and the passion for it because it is a uh, there's always something to learn, always something to get better at. It's a it's a great thing to get involved in. I don't want to make you know I'll, I'll have Hassan on. He can do a, a 30 minute commercial on uh, on jujitsu because that guy is that guy is incredible at selling it just by himself. Um, Literally. So I guess we can get into a little bit of 271. I don't want to go too hard because I'll have a whole podcast probably on Thursday or Friday about it. But I you know let's hear your uh, your opinion on just some of the shit that went down this past weekend. Uh, what'd you think of Cannoneer? Uh, I thought that was an awesome fight. I think, um, what's his face? Blonde Brunson got a little gassed out. And then once you gas out, that's when the true, uh, that's when true character comes out. And I think he, he, you know, don't get me wrong. He was definitely getting rocked, but once, once you gas out, your technique goes out the window and he wasn't doing much defense defensively. And, you know, he ended up getting, what what was that, a TKO, right? Uh, yeah, it was like a TKO, and uh, apparently, I didn't notice this at the time. I've been told that they threw the talent, which, uh, I, yeah, I, I that. yeah, I didn't even see that. I was uh, I was out of Xfinity watching it, so it wasn't, I wasn't exactly at, at home uh, enjoying it. But, um, yeah, they said TKO via elbows in the second round. Brunson uh, did a lot of uh, panic wrestling and just kind of realized if he stood up with him, he was in trouble. And he was right because eventually it did go that way. But uh, how about Tui Vasa knocking out Derek Lewis that way? Uh, a lot of the casuals saying that he took a dive, which they absolutely have. I mean, you, you get hit with that elbow and let me see how you, uh, you know, how yeah, you stand up. Yeah. In my opinion, anyone that says anyone in combat sports takes a dive is is – 
delusional. Like there was a that big fiasco about Tyron Woodley, Jake yeah. Paul. Tyron Tyron Woodley got smoked with a clean overhand right that Jake Paul perfectly fainted into. Like those those people obviously don't like for someone to get into a cage or get into a ring and take a dive. That would, in my opinion, that would that's like pitiful. You know, I think that's pathetic and. I think people got to have a lot, a, a lot more respect for the people that are getting in there because, you know, like like you said, try getting hit with one of them, one of them big Tui Tui Vasa elbows, and and then you you, yeah, you know, let me see if you're you standing up there. Yeah, yeah. You, you walk in a straight line after getting hit by one of them. People are crazy, but yeah, that was a great fight, man. They're, those two are so exciting, and that was the perfect perfect co-main event. Uh, yeah, other than that, a lot of, I mean, Jeremiah Wells from, from Philly was able to uh, submit the Blood Diamond in the first round, so that was probably the other, like, notable thing that happened. Other than that, I mean, Kyler Phillips got a win, Casey O'Neill ended up Roxanne Mataferi's career, uh, Andre Arlovsky yeah. won a boring split decision, Bobby, I love Bobby Green, so that was a nice fight to watch, and uh, good win for him, and uh, Alexander the Great took an L against Hanato Moicano via rear naked choke, and Alexander Hernandez has just fallen apart ever since he lost to Donald Cerrone. But um, anything else? I guess I did want to talk uh, your boy, uh, one of your one of your, uh, one of your boys, uh, Diaz. Uh, what do you think is going to be next for him? What do you what do you see on the on the horizon for him? Is he going to fight Poirier? Is it is it going to happen? Or do you think the UFC is kind of just going to slow roll him and eventually probably throw him in there against Connor? That's that's what I think of, is their plan. Um, I definitely think that the UFC is trying to slow roll him because they know that if Diaz fights Connor, he's going to sell twice as many tickets as if he fights Poirier, just because, you know, Connor's a different, different pull, different type animal. But Nate's a superstar on his own, and I think he's made it clear that he wants the Poirier fight. Um, I, I am blocked on Dustin's Twitter, so I haven't been able to tell you. I haven't been able to tell you if Dustin wants that fight too, but I think they both want it, and I see no reason that they can't get it together besides the UFC just being greedy. Since it's Nate's last last fight on his contract, they yeah. want him for that. They want him for that Connor fight, which obviously you can do that now. You could do that in twenty twenty seven. That'll that'll sell a hundred million paper or a couple million pay per views. Like that's that's the biggest fight of all time, in my opinion. That will always be a huge fight, and just uh, those two going back and forth, and everything involved with it—the history, the the actual fight itself. I mean, because I to this day will still tell everyone on this pod, anyone who listens to this podcast, anyone who talked to me about MMA, my favorite fight ever is McGregor Diaz too. It'll it'll always be that because it's just it was such like a back and forth close fight that you know that's that's all I ever ask for when I watch a fight. It should just be like you said, entertained. Violence was there. Uh, drama, you know, Connor had a good first couple of rounds, then he kind of like wilted in the in the middle rounds, and then he came back in, in the fourth and fifth and was like, he looked strong, and it's just drama, man. That's all we ask for is drama every time, every time they get in the cage, and that's what we got. Uh, other than that, though, and, and your boy, how about, how about your other boy, John Jones? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with him or what we're going to see next. Do you think, I, I, I mean, I believe they're going to have to do an interim title, and I think he's going to, at some point, have to get in the cage and fight again. Is it going to be against Stipe, you believe? Um, I don't I don't know what the UFC is doing, but John Jones, I think that he's going to have an incredible run at heavyweight. I think that there's not many people that can that can do all things like John Jones can. Like He can wrestle, he can grapple, he can, he can strike, he can do, do it all. 
I really want to see him and Francis, but I think they're probably going to do something like uh, John Jones and Cyril Gond for Ooh. for the interim. For some reason, I feel like they're just going to keep um, waiting waiting on Stipe and probably eventually force him into retirement. And that's just uh, – it's not the right thing to do, but I feel like that's what they're going to do because I feel like they think that Stipe's time is up. Yeah, and Stipe doesn't exactly strike me as a guy who's in a rush to get back in there and fight. Uh, for an interim belt or anything like that, maybe the only reason he would do that is interim, and the, you know I'm sure that you fighting John Jones, there's going to be a lot of uh, money attached to that and things of that nature. So maybe that'll be the reason that he wants to get back in there. But uh, you know, I I just I would love to just see John. I mean, John Jones apparently is weighing around two forty two fifty these days. Uh, you know, he's absolutely a tank, is what what you know the reports are, and him against Stipe is the ultimate. Uh, is a great test between both of them because I mean, for you know, Stipe is, was widely regarded as the greatest heavyweight to ever live, you know, for for the longest time, and now you know Francis is going to eventually try and make his run uh, that way, but he's got got a little bit of work to do, and, and John Jones is, uh, you know, without question the greatest light heavyweight to ever live, and, and he, you know, title after t- title defense after title defense after title defense, and now you know he's going up to for a new challenge at heavyweight. What better challenge than the greatest heavyweight of all time? And it sells itself. The money's there. Um, the, if the interim belt's there, everyone has the incentive to do it because I believe Stipe's only incentive right now is to get back to that belt and get that rematch with uh, Francis. Uh, yeah, that's that. That to me is it. That's the fight I want to see. I hope I see it in July for like the old uh, for the what's it called international fight week. Fight week. Yep. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, I think they, they want to do Usman and uh, Edwards that week and uh, things of that nature. Uh, before we go, I did want to ask you, what do you think is going to go down with Colby and Masvidal? Um, personally, I think that that fight may be uh, like the beef in, within the beef, beef involved may be fake, but you know, I don't really care about that. Regardless, those two guys are going to get into a cage and, and and fight it out i think colby's definitely going to utilize his wrestling because uh you know street street jesus got that got that touch of death to him he could he could put people to sleep just like anyone else can and i don't think colby wants to to stand i think he's gonna definitely hold him down and and wrestle him for predominantly the whole fight but who knows man colby's been willing to sit there and stand especially with with Usman, so we'll see. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, it's it's gonna. I think the uh, that might be another boring fight if Colby ends up on uh, ends up the winner because, like you said, he's gonna utilize the wrestling and he's just kind of gonna hold him down. But I mean, that's pro- that's probably what's gonna happen. That's what the odds makers think is gonna happen. I mean, Colby's a, a minus three hundred favorite uh, the last wow. I checked. So yeah, I mean. I don't, uh, you know, Masvidal is an exciting fighter, and he was a, he was an underdog when he fought Askren, and, and Askren tried to shoot a takedown, and you saw what happened to him. He was he's never been the same again. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's definitely capable, and, and I think the beef going into it, it'll be more way more exciting than probably the actual fight. It'll just be those two going back and forth, and I think there is genuine dislike. But I think they are just going to es- like try and pump it up and escalate, it. like like Masvidal saying he's going to leave him in critical condition and all, all this stuff. Like it's just it's all to sell the fight and try to make more money for you know both of them and, and more power to them because that's that's what, yeah, you're suppo- what you're supposed to, to do. Man. Exactly, that's what you're supposed to do. And those two guys are 
are good at it, especially Colby, because, you know, Colby was going to get cut a couple of years ago. Now he's one of the biggest superstars in the UFC. Yeah. I personally I personally love the antics and, and the, you know, Colby chaos. and all, Yeah, it's the whole, fun. It, it adds yeah, another exactly. element. It's, it's entertainment, and that's what people want. That's what I That's what I was saying earlier. When you come watch me fight, I'm going to give you entertainment and violence. And once you get the – once you set the bar high on both – that's that's what turns you into a superstar, and that's that's what worked out for Colby. Yeah, and that's like you said, that's what the fight game's all about, man. It's you have to, uh, you know, bring you have to make people want to come watch you, make people want to turn the TV on and shell out their hard-earned money to come and see you. There has to be a reason, and you know, some people will just come because fighting's fighting and they want to watch people fight, but you you want to gate as much people as you can, and that's the only way is by you know the critical condition and stuff like that. It'll draw people in that normally don't watch the sport. And that's why, like, on a night where Connor fights, you see people that you've never seen watch a fight before, and they're telling you how things are going and, like, you know, how Connor sucks and he's washed, and I have to listen to that shit all the time. So, uh, and, you know, I guess we shouldn't get out of here without talking about Connor. Uh, what, what do you think? Is it, you know, I think he's, he's close to coming back. He might be a July... August sort of situation. Uh, who would you like to see him fight on the way back if it's not Diaz? If it's not Diaz, I want to see him make things right with Poirier because I, I definitely think that Poirier don't Connor, want nothing to do with that. Yeah, I know. I know Dustin don't want nothing to do with that because he already got paid twice, and it is what it is. But there's definitely beef still there, and I think Connor, you know, I think he's got to tend to that because as of right now, no matter what happened, the score is two zero or two to one. So I think he's got to even that up. And even, you know, if not, then then I think he's probably just got Nate. And, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll come back and try and get back in the rankings. But at this point for him, I think it's all about just selling, selling tickets and selling pay-per-views and, and making shit happen. I think uh, if I were um, calling the shots, if it's not Diaz, my pick would be Chandler. Because that'd be that'd be a lot. I think yeah, that it'll be a big fight. It'll sell, and uh, I think it's uh, a good matchup for Connor. Not you know, not a great matchup because he's a wrestler and all that. But I don't think Chandler's wrestling will be able to uh, consume Connor. I think Connor will be able to get back up if he is taken down and whatnot. And uh, I just think it would be a fun, fun fight. Uh, I always wanted to see him fight Gaethje, but I just don't see that happening anytime soon. Obviously, he's fighting for the title against Oliveira in uh, May or. Yeah, May, I believe. So I guess we'll see, man. And that's the good thing about MMA and the mixed martial arts world. There's always something to talk about. There's always, you know, the world keeps spinning and there's always new fights, new guys. Uh, you know, I mean, Yuri Prohoshka is going to be fighting on that May 7th card. Uh, there's names all over the place. You know, Jan and Sterling are fighting soon. Uh, you know, Figueredo's got the title now. You know, Volk's fighting. It's just, it's always, as the world keeps going, uh, all the shit going on. It's that's always a great the best game. sport in the world. Yep. Uh, and I want to thank you for joining me, dude. It was uh, it was a pleasure. It's my first like kind of real interview, so it was. Um, and I, I think it, I think it kind of went well. So uh, you know, I think uh, people will enjoy this. And uh, follow Killer Ken. Follow follow this man on all the socials. You can give him right now if you want. Uh, at Kenny Copper on Instagram and at Killer Ken five eight on uh, Twitter. Give me a follow, peep my videos, all my tournaments and shit on my, my IG. Matt, I really appreciate you having me, man. This, you know, 
Of course. I, I've known you for a long time, and, and I love that you're doing this and following your dream, and I have the utmost respect for you, and I'm going to help you any way I can. Oh, of course, brother. I, you know, I appreciate that, and uh, the love and the, the feeling is mutual. Uh, and I'll have you on again, man, and hopefully after a nice, uh, you know, highlight, another highlight reel knockout in live casino after, you know, and then I'll go lose my life savings at the blackjack table, and I'll come home, <laughs> and we'll do a nice interview, and uh, maybe one day when I have a nice studio, we'll do it in person. Uh, so... Thank you again, and uh, hopefully everyone enjoys it. Thank you, brother. I will. I'll see you soon, man. You have a great night. You too.